This is Under the Low Bridge, an unconventional history of the Erie Canal. In honor of the 200th anniversary of its construction, the History Department at the University of Rochester presents six environmental stories. And you're listening to Here You Are. Low Bridge, everybody down. I'm Henry Scharf. I'm Kyle Crisitello. And I'm Michaela Burrell. And you're listening to Part 4, No Muskrat Love. Chaos. Pandemonium. Panic fills the air. Water rushes through the streets of Fairport. A section of the mighty barge canal has given way, and the culprit is none other than a burrowing muskrat. You're seriously telling me that these tiny balls of fur caused that much damage? Well, yeah. There's an article about it in the Fairport Herald Merrill from 1987, written about 100 years after the collapse. So, what exactly happened? Well... According to the newspaper, the town of Fairport, New York, experienced the unexpected wrath of a muskrat in full. Just when everything in the small town seemed peaceful and calm, a muskrat burrowed deep into the bank of the Barge Canal, collapsing a 510-foot section of the Erie Canal. But how do you know that this was actually caused by a muskrat? Could it have been a different animal, like a beaver? Well, a beaver likely could have caused the same damage. I think we can be pretty sure this was a muskrat. Quoting the Fur Trade of America... In considering the fur-bearing world, it is impossible to group the animal life according to the classifications of zoology. Muskrat fur, their quickest identifier, doesn't have a similar texture or color to beaver fur. As I brought up before, the American fur trade may not have been in its prime, but it still had a strong foothold by the time of the canal collapse. We can be pretty sure that most people in the northeastern United States could identify a muskrat as a muskrat. But what exactly happened? Well, the water poured out of the canal after the collapse, rushed out of the canal's concrete border, and poured over everything in its path from bridges to farmland, plumbing the community into a brief state of shock. And I'm guessing the water level of the canal naturally dropped after this? Oh yeah. The strong washout dropped the water level of the canal from the Pittsford Locks all the way to the Macedon Locks, ravaging boats along the canal for miles. Obviously, flooding causes damage, but... Once that water's out of the canal, there shouldn't be a problem, right? Wouldn't it be easy to start fixing the canal with all the water driven out? Actually, the absolute last thing you want to do when you have a muskrat problem is change the water levels of the area that they're inhabiting. Why is that? You see, the fluctuating water levels can flood a muskrat's den, and then they will react by burrowing farther into the bank or by digging a new, higher den chamber that is closer to the ground surface. So all in all, those mitigation efforts likely made things worse. Kind of like what happened in the case of the house fire. Those muskrats sure are a resilient bunch. If a muskrat decides to build a den chamber that is closer to the surface, the bank can be weakened. Even worse, livestock and other large animals can pierce into the bank. If the bank is weakened, erosion is likely to take place. And when erosion becomes a problem, you wish you could have just had the muskrats. With this, the canal locks may have seriously not only hurt the community's infrastructure, but its agriculture as well. So the damage clearly didn't end with the initial flooding. But who's really at fault here, Michaela? Can we really put all the blame on nature? Well, no. The story here isn't one of nature's brutality. Humanity's drive for industrialization was the real actor. The designers of the canal didn't seem to put much consideration into the effects that the canal would have on nature because their ultimate goal was focused on exploiting nature, not helping it. That makes sense. The contractors building the canal wouldn't necessarily have had a strong relationship with the local landscape. Their focus was on building the canal. The muskrats probably weren't even on their radar. 
So, in a way, muskrats reveal how narrow the environmental outlook was at the time. Muskrats also redefine the connection between humanity and nature. Does the environment shape our action, or do we shape its action? In the same way that we shape the muskrats' behavior, they shape ours. In this way, humanity and nature are deeply connected. All this over muskrats, huh? Yeah, muskrats. This episode was made possible by the generous support of several departments at the University of Rochester. The Here You Are team would like to thank Melissa Mead and the Department of Rare Books and Special Collections, Blair Tinker and the Digital Scholarship Lab, Stephen Ressner at the Department of Audio and Music Engineering, and last but not least, the Department of History. Oh, bridge, everybody down.